Welcome to the Thursday edition of the Tony Basilio Show. Tony is celebrating his daughter's graduation. His daughter Kaylee graduates from the University of Tennessee's Engineering School today. So I want to congratulate all the graduates and especially Kaylee for a tremendous accomplishment. Today on the show, I've got John Adams and Matt Dixon, our normal Thursday stalwarts. And coming up in a few minutes, we'll be talking with Colin Taylor from Gamecock Central. And he'll be followed by our good friend Chris Burke. So we're going to have a baseball-heavy first hour. Other things we'll get into later on is the slash, I guess, the Neyland Stadium slash G10 Entertainment District that has been dreamed up and could be executed here in the next couple years. I want to welcome John Adams and Matt into the program before we take a quick break. John, Matt, good morning. Hello, Brian. Thanks for taking over for Tony. Uh, Tony doesn't take many days off, does he? I'm glad he's going taking off for his daughter's graduation. He needs to take today off, and he needed to take Monday off because his son graduated from Penn, his son Anthony. So we've got an Ivy League graduate and a SEC UT grad in the same wow. week. Did uh, Tony go to college? Yeah, he ran for SGA president, <laughs> allegedly. Really? Well, I don't I, know if he went I, to college. I, but I think he. I think you can do that and not go to college. Yeah. So. <laughs> How did he fare? L- luckily, they, luckily, luckily, his kids take after Laura. <laughs> How did he? Fa- he actually ran for student body president. Yeah, I think it was a write-in. Or something. Uh, yeah. He made a joke out of it. Yes, he was the. Who was, it? was it Ralph Nader? Was that the guy that was like out of yeah, nowhere? He always Nader. ran for that, president. Yeah, yeah. That, that was that was that was Anthony Basilio as he was in the Daily Beacon that I saw back then. Yeah, there are some similarities between two. Um, I remember uh, Nader very well. He, I think I might have always running. Yeah, I, I think I voted for him one year, years ago, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll take this short break on the other Voted side. Voted we'll for Tony or Nader? Nader. I wasn't old enough to vote for Tony. Um, anyway, we'll take a short break. We'll be back on the other side. Colin Taylor, Gamecock Central. We'll be back. Stay tuned. Spread the word and get the app at TonyBasilio.com for Android and iPhones. Hi, I'm Robert Rogers at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC. Parks Motor Sales was founded by my granddad, Bobby Parks, and my great-granddad, Julian Mays, in 1958. We've been family-owned the whole time, and being family-owned, locally-owned, means you get to get your next vehicle or your existing vehicle serviced by the same people who stand in the grocery line with you, drop their kids off at the same school you do, and smile and are happy to see you when they do. So come see us at Parks Motor Sales in Columbia, Tennessee on 919 Nashville Highway or ParksMotorSales.com. Hello, I'm Barbara Lincoln with Holland's Pharmacy. You may have heard our previous commercials about compression hosiery that we carry at Holland's Pharmacy. Well, we've recently expanded into a full line of knee braces, back, wrist, ankle, and other support wear. We will gladly help you get just the right fit for these items and, of course, special order items to ensure the proper fit. Come see us at Holland's Pharmacy, 1608 Hatcher Lane, or call us at 931-388-4233. 388-4233. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard, so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the stair that only creaks when everyone else in the house is asleep. 
American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090 for all your home comfort needs. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. Hi, I'm Steve, the Garbage Man. Are you new to Murray County? We want to welcome you and your family. We are a local residential garbage service, and we want to be your garbage man. We've been around for over 30 years, so we have a reputation. Check us out at garbagemaninc.com or call Mike at 931-540-0919. You could also ask your neighbor. 931-540-0919. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole barn. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. Brown's Body Shop has two locations to provide your vehicles with high-quality body and frame repairs, the best paint jobs, and custom body fabrications. Brown's Body Shop has been successful for more than 50 years because of their highly trained personnel, competitive prices, superior customer care, and timely service. Don't put off body repairs or that custom paint job at Fenders. Go to Brown's Body Shop today, 1505 Nashville Highway in Columbia, or 129 Alpha Drive in Franklin. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. Looking for convenience? Try Quickmark Convenience Stores, conveniently located all across Murray County, Southern Middle Tennessee, and North Alabama. Whether stopping in on your way to work for coffee and a biscuit, taking a plate lunch to go, or grabbing something cold to drink after a long hot day at work, there's always one nearby. Quickmark Convenience Stores, conveniently located all across Southern Middle Tennessee and North Alabama. Proudly serving Shell Gasoline. Hello, this is John McEwen with McEwen Group Real Estate, located at 17A Public Square in beautiful downtown Columbia. Our family has over 40 years experience selling farms, residential, recreational, and all types of real estate here in Middle Tennessee. Check us out online at McEwenGroup.com or on Facebook and Instagram at McEwen Group, or give me a call today at 931-628-1749. McEwen Group, land is your legacy. Have you heard the news? The Big Yellow School Bus with your host, Jack Cobb, with Murray County Public Schools has a new day and time. Hop on the Big Yellow School Bus Saturdays at 10 a.m. right here on WKOM 101.7 FM to hear all about what's happening in and around Murray County Public Schools. The Big Yellow School Bus with Jack Cobb and friends on Front Porch Radio, Saturdays at 10 a.m. on WKOM 101.7 FM. you got to know Spend a very special evening with The Gambler. 
the timeless music of Kenny Rogers, performed by Justin Sullivan and his seven-piece Real Deal Band. Many have said this is the best tribute show of its kind. Hear all your Kenny Rogers favorites. Lucille, Lady, She Believes in Me, Coward of the County. Everyone considered him the coward Saturday, May 20th, 7 p.m. at the legendary Crockett Theater in Lawrenceburg. Tickets begin at only $16. Yes, an evening with the gambler and the real deal band. Saturday evening, May 20th at 7. For more information, log on to CrockettTheater.com. CrockettTheater.com. We'll see you there. The NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series. Pace truck hits the pit lane, gets out of the way, and they get ready for the green flag. Heads up Highway 421. Dick Sanchez outside row one, Carson Hosebaro, and they're going to wad him up going into turn number three. For the return to North Wilkesboro. Grant Enfinger to the line, and with the win as a checkered flag goes in the air. It's the Tyson 250. Saturday, May 20th at noon on WKOM 101.7 FM. This is Clayton Harris, and you're listening to 101.7 WKOM Columbia. We're back on the Thursday edition of the Tony B Show. This is Brian Hartman, John Adams, and Matt Dixon. We want to bring in our special guest from Columbia, South Carolina, and the Gamecock Central website. It's Colin Taylor, who just joins us when the Vols and Cox get ready to hook up. And let's go to um, Colin. How have we been? Oh, well, we've been great. It's um, a nice rainy day up here in Columbia right now, and um, vibes around the baseball program are uh, tenuous at best right now with the, the recent struggles that are going on, but still a good team, and, and I'm doing great as, as we get to wrap up what's been a, a very hectic baseball season for South Carolina. So tell me this. You, you have rain there right now. Is the forecast? What's the forecast like for tonight? Seven it's not great. Um not great. It's supposed to. It's supposed to kind of like die down a little bit, but still be over a, a 60 percent chance at first pitch. So, um, I'm not too optimistic right now that we're going to get a game in, but we'll see as this front continues to kind of move through. So that's something definitely to keep our eye on as we mm-hmm. move through the day. And what about the rest of the weekend? Tomorrow, and the rest Saturday. of the weekend, the rain looks like it's going to clear out about ten. 10 to 11 a.m. tomorrow, so rest of the weekend should be good if they have to play a doubleheader tomorrow, and then obviously Saturday, I think it's supposed to be uh, low 80s and sunny, so no Beautiful. issues, I don't think, the rest of the weekend. Beautiful. Matt, throw out the first pitch for Colin. All right, well, Colin, just after sweeping Florida, it seemed like everything was going great for South Carolina, obviously some injuries, but what what's kind of happened over the last month to that's kind of really turn the season um, kind of in limbo. Yeah. Um, what hasn't happened, <laughs> in all honesty? I mean, it's, you lose Talmadge Lee Croy right before the Florida series there every day for baseman. He misses three weeks. You lose Braylon Wimmer during the Auburn series. He misses two and a half weeks. Um, you're playing your starting catcher at third base. Your backup third baseman at shortstop. A utility player at second and so the offense is bogged down. Uh, Will Sanders is dealing with a lower body injury, so he's struggled. Um, and he hasn't pitched. He, he won't pitch this weekend, and they, uh, 
He didn't pitch last weekend at Arkansas. So the pitching struggle, your offense that you built around gritty at-bats, working pitch counts and hitting for power, hasn't been getting on base and hasn't been hitting for power. So it's bogged down. Uh, your pitching took an uptick this weekend at Arkansas, which was really good to see, but it's been very up and down over the course of these last nine league games. And Injuries have a part to do with it. Guys going into slumps, you don't need to go into slumps like Ethan Petri, um, have been part of it as well, but it's just kind of, it's been the Murphy's Law the last month. Anything that can go wrong for South Carolina has gone wrong for South Carolina. Colin, uh, do you think, uh, I, I just wondered, uh, the tennis, playing Tennessee, do you think that's a big deal anymore? It seemed early in the year, even middle of the year, teams really thrived on beating Tennessee. They really got up for Tennessee because of last year and, and all the fanfare associated with that team. Do you think that's relevant anymore? I think to a degree. Um, I mean, and granted, a lot of these South Carolina players that will play this weekend didn't get a lot of run in Tennessee last year, but they know the reputation. They know they saw everything that, that happened last year. Obviously, they, they understand, and, and this is a program that hasn't beaten Tennessee in a while, um, series-wise. They lost in 2019. Um, they lost in 2021. Um, they've lost the last, I believe, three series. Tennessee. So this is a, a group that really needs to get back to beating Tennessee. And they understand that. So that's kind of the where they sit on it. You say beating Tennessee. Do you think they feel, I guess, Nobody on the roster's done that and pulled that off since, I guess, when was it, 2018? That was Vitello's yeah, first year. Do you think they feel a little bit of pressure, or is it something that the players aren't really thinking much about? Do they know that they have that issue? I, maybe earlier in the year they probably would have thought about it more, but right now they're so focused on they need to beat Tennessee because they need to get a regional host. You know, If they lose this series, they're going to Hoover needing to win you know, a certain number of games, however many they might need, just to host. Um, so they know if they win this series, that pretty much locks them into a top 16 seed or should lock them into a top 16 seed. So they, I think they're more motivated and feel pressure on that regard rather than it being Tennessee because they really need this series win for a lot of reasons. Now, what all went right for them against Florida? They Florida's one of the best teams in the country, and they swept them, although it was at home. Yeah, um, they pitched really, really well. Um, you got great starts from Will Sanders, who won't go this weekend. Uh, Jack Mahoney pitched really well. Matthew Becker pitched really well. Um, and then you got really good bullpen pitching from, you know, your stud guys on the end of it as well. So South Carolina, they got good pitching. They limited extra base hits. They limited Florida um, hitting home runs, hitting doubles, which the Gators obviously love to do. And they pitched out of a ton of games, and they haven't been. Teams have been hitting really well against them with runners on and runners in scoring position over this stretch. So they pitched out of jams. They hit for some power. They got up. They jumped out to early leads. And when they do that, they, they're they a really hard team to beat. And when they're playing from behind, um, they can struggle. Um, so they pitched really well, and they hit for a ton of power and got a lot of um, – uh, John, Colin, will, are any of these players that have been injured, could they 
they return? Could they be healthy going into postseason, or is it what you have now is pretty much pretty much what you've got for postseason play as well? Yeah, so they got Braylon Wimmer and Talmadge Leecroy came back really full-time last week. Talmadge during the midweek, and he, he's played since, and Wimmer's been the DH um, the last four games as well. So they, they're they not 100%, but they should be 100% for postseason play. Will McGillis, who broke his arm week two of SEC play, returned Tuesday night, kind of re-aggravated that arm on a check swing. Didn't re-break it, but we'll need some rest. So I doubt he'll be an impactful player this weekend. And they're hoping to get Will Sanders back by maybe the middle to end of the SEC tournament or um, for regional play, dealing with that lower body. So they got a chance to get a little bit healthier, um, but right now you're kind of you're dancing with the date you brought at this point. Matt? Who's your who's your best guess at, at what their their kind of starting rotation is going to be this this weekend? I, I think it's is it Jones they they have listed, but like, who else could Tennessee expect either as as the starter or maybe the first guy or two out of the bullpen? Yeah, so it's really a a four outside of Jones who was really good at Arkansas. Um, there's kind of four main guys on that pitching staff, and Jack Mahoney who threw seven shutout innings at Arkansas last weekend in his best start maybe of his career. Uh, James Hicks, who's kind of been up and down, um, kind of a sinker baller, uh, coming off Tommy John. Uh, and then Matthew Becker, they're literally their only left-handed arm in, on the pitching staff right now. Um, he started the last, I want to say, five games for South Carolina in games three. So those, those are kind of the big ones. And then Chris Beach is your kind of go-to closer um, back of the bullpen on um, those are kind of your four guys it's been Mahoney Becker is are kind of the leading candidates to start but Hicks can also start as well so then and then Nick Proctor and Austin Williamson are probably your other two bullpen guys you'll see featured pretty heavily over the course of of the next 27 innings. Colin so what you're talking about is South Carolina needing to finish strong to get a to host a regional, uh, it's almost like this uh, this series could be a play-in series for <laughs> for postseason and, and hosting a regional because I don't Tennessee obviously hasn't clinched a, a regional host position, but I think it's still in the running for one. Yeah, absolutely. And these are two teams that you know just based on I was looking at the SEC only numbers today, and they're incredibly similar. Um, in slugging percentage and on base percentage, the pitching staffs, I think they're within like one spot of each other in team ERA and opponent batting average. They both strike out offensively a good bit, but they get on base at a high clip when they're operating at a high level. So these are two really equally matched teams, two very similar teams in how they're built and how they want to play. And uh, yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree that these are two teams that are kind of a play in tournament almost for. The, the winner of this series is going to have a really strong argument to host. And uh, I think you're going to see two desperate might not be the right word, but two teams that have a lot to play for this weekend. And it's going to be really, really emotional. Do you expect a, you know, sellouts all three games I've seen, or how do you think it, do you think it'll be close to a full house? Oh yeah, I do. Um, maybe not on 
Thursday. Thursdays usually don't sell as well as a Friday or a Saturday do, but they're going to be raucous crowds. This is a, a fan base that so desperately wants something good to happen at South Carolina for baseball, and I think they're going to show up, and um, I think it's going to be a really fun atmosphere. Thursday to a degree, yes, and I really think Friday and Saturday could be, especially if they win one of those first two games. Saturday has a chance to be uh, really, really raucous. Matt? Is Shane Beamer going to throw out the first pitch one of those those Friday or Saturday games, or that seems right up his alley? You know, I'm not sure. He was supposed to throw out one earlier in the season, and it got rained out or moved for a doubleheader or something. So I think if South Carolina wanted to, they could. Now, granted, Lane Kiffin did that last year and threw out the golf ball, and then it did not go well for Ole Miss that weekend. So I'm very curious to see if they want to mess with that bad juju again. Colin, I uh, I didn't uh, had an email column this week. I asked, I, I surveyed some of my readers and and asked them which SEC football coach annoyed them the most. And Shane Beamer got uh, generated a lot of comments. Uh, I know he's he's probably extremely popular in Columbia right now. I would think, uh, but. Uh, Tennessee fans don't like his smirk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I. What I'll say is with Shane, he is as in good and bad. He is a very, very emotional coach, and he shows that on the sidelines. I mean, you saw that when they were getting blown out up in Knoxville his first year, and they get a stop on fourth down, and they convert a fourth down. And he's fist pumping and screaming and hollering and. I think they're down 38 to three or, or something <laughs> like that. And, um, and then he's emotional in good way at the end of games. And you see that. And so he's one of those guys where if, if he's coaching and he's coaching your favorite team, you love him. But then when he's not, it, it gets under your skin and he's very, very, very popular um, with this fan base and they love him here. And it's one of those where, uh, he, he's he's an emotional guy, and guy, you know the fan base and the players here have really bought into it, and you started to see a little bit of that on the field and in recruiting. Yeah, you, he is recruiting really well. I, I was trying to think back to Steve Spurry or some of his. I know he had some really good recruiting class. Got got some really uh, strong star power when he was a coach, but uh, to see uh, South Carolina right. I know we've got a long way to go, but see South Carolina ranked in the top ten in recruiting is uh, is pretty impressive. Are you surprised at how well he has recruited? Yeah, in a word, yes. Uh, uh-huh. I, I I thought he would recruit well just because he is engaging. He's a, he's an interesting personality. People tend to gravitate towards him. I didn't know it would be this quick of. Uh, a jump in recruiting. I mean, when they took up, when he took over, their recruiting was in like the seventies or eighties, just because it wasn't a great class to begin with in 2021. And and a bunch of their highly rated guys jumped ship after the coaching change. And um, he put together like a top 30 classes first year. They were top 20 this year. And now they have a chance to be a top 10 class if things go the way they hope they go. Um, It helps too, that they have a bunch of, top 100 players in the state for 2024 and uh, give South Carolina credit because they've landed them. Josiah Thompson and Cam Pringle are two big ones. 
uh, two offensive linemen that Georgia, Alabama, Clemson, all these big schools wanted. Um, and, and that's what I think the biggest change has been, is that it's one thing to go get a player from South Carolina, which they always say they want to do. But, and it's, it's one thing to do that when his top five is South Carolina, NC State, Virginia Tech, and um, you know North Carolina. It's another when it's Clemson, Alabama, South Carolina, Georgia, you know, Michigan, or something like that. And they're getting those caliber of guys right now, and they have to keep it up. The class is not done by any stretch, but it's got this 2024 class as a chance to be arguably the best class in program history on paper. Uh, what's the what's the NIL collective like there at South Carolina? It must be pretty good because that factors so much into recruiting now. Yeah, they've they've done a good job mobilizing the fan base and um they've done i'm not saying that they're you know texas a&m with the the collective they have out there and the money that the a&m's been able to throw around in in nil but they're really competitive in the sec and they try to pair that beamer's philosophy is to pair yes you'll have some nil money but you're going to come here to be part of this culture, be part of this program, and love being part of the program. And NIL plays a role. They position themselves well, but very rarely do you hear them talk and you know pound the, the desk about NIL the way that um, maybe some other schools are. What is the baseball NIL? What what kind of what's that like? Because I know baseball has, it matters to South Carolina. They've won a couple national championships in it in the yeah. last. 15 years so what what is that how's that going it's it's going pretty well they're um you know they had a couple guys turn down professional contracts braylon wimmer uh james hicks noah hall who's been banged up um turned down professional contracts and been able to get an il deal to supplant might not be the right word but you know make their money while they're still in school and get their degrees and pitch in college and not be on 16-hour bus rides to Billings, Montana, you know, on a Tuesday night after a series. So um, it's pretty good. It's pretty healthy, and there's a ton of guys on that baseball team that do have a a good chunk of deals and are making decent money. Last thing, what do you expect to happen this weekend? You know, I've I've wrestled with this, like, for the week, thinking about it. Um, If I had to bet right now, I think South Carolina takes two out of three just because Tennessee has struggled on the road this year. Um, I want to say two wins away from home in league play, if I'm looking at my schedule correctly. South Carolina has been really good at home most of the season, um, outside of the last two weeks or so. I just think this offense has been so close to breaking through. This team has been so close in the margins to being back to what it was. and Getting healthy, I think that South Carolina uses that home field advantage. and I think they split the first two. And then it comes down to whoever's best on um, Saturday. Um, and I just think South Carolina right now is um, in a spot to take two out of three. But I think quite literally if you told me anything happened, I would believe you. Colin, tell everyone where they can find you. Yeah, absolutely. It's GamecockCentral.com, part of the On3 Sports Network. Um, you can find us at Gamecock Central on all of our social media platforms. And then find me on Twitter at Colin Taylor, C-O-L-L-Y-N, Taylor, T-A-Y-L-O-R. Colin, always appreciate catching up. Have a great week. Thank you. As that's Colin Taylor, Gamecock Central, we wrap up with him. Let's take a 
bottom of the hour timeout. We'll come back on the other side. Chris Burke, our old friend, who is not willing to cede his favorite analyst spot for this show to Todd Walker. And Chris is going to counter as we come back on the other side. The Tony Basilio Show on a Thursday. We'll be back right after this. Spread the word and get the app at TonyBasilio.com for Android and iPhones. This is Terry Wilcox, a.k.a. The Chicken Man, a.k.a. T-Willie, and you're listening to 101.7 FM WKOM, Columbia, Tennessee. At Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat, you can always count on us for a great selection of late model, low mileage, one owner vehicles. All have been thoroughly inspected and are ready to go. You can even save time and buy online with our online shopping tool. Looking to sell your vehicle? Great news! We're paying top dollar for your trade. All makes, all models, and in any condition. Trade in and trade up today. At Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat, you can count on us. Hi, Terry Tillis from Tillis Jewelry. When you think of diamonds, what do you think of? Rare, precious, timeless, sparkles like the sun. They are timeless and nothing like them on earth. Then do you think, where do I buy local to buy the perfect ring? Maybe a diamond pendant or earrings or maybe a new diamond band. Look no further. Tillis Jewelry carries all your diamond and jewelry needs. Stop by and see our wonderful collection. And remember, if you don't know your diamonds, know your jeweler. Tillis Jewelry, downtown Columbia. This is Dr. Dominic Mancini from the Dr. Gill Center. If your car was damaged in an auto accident, chances are you'd fix the car. Why wouldn't you give that same attention to yourself? Untreated whiplash injuries of the spinal column may lead to conditions such as headaches, numbness in the arms, neck and back pain. The doctors at the Dr. Gill Center specialize in detecting and treating such injuries from an auto accident. Accident consultations are free. Call me painfree.com or call 615-551-9224. In today's uncertain world, you can never be too careful about your family's financial future. That's why the Parker Group, a part of Baird's Private Wealth Management, is offering a free second opinion on your financial plans. Let us review your current plan, and we will identify any gaps and offer suggestions to improve it. Please call the Parker Group at 931-548-3737. That's 931-548-3737. Robert W. Baird and Company Incorporated does not offer tax or legal advice. Hi, Jimmy here for Columbia Ace Hardware. Columbia Ace Hardware now carries Magnolia Home by Joanna Gaines Paint. Now their premium quality and huge selection of colors will be right in your neighborhood. Along with the award-winning service and advice, Columbia Ace has always provided for your paint projects. Around the block, what you need in stock, with people who know their paint. Columbia Ace, the helpful place. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. Hey, this is Derek Ransom with Ten Pin Alley, voted number one family entertainment center in Murray County. We offer 32 bowling lanes, giant arcade, laser tag, bumper cars, and a full cafe and bar menu. We also specialize in group events, kids and adult birthday parties, company parties, sports team parties, and holiday parties. We're located at 322 East James Campbell Boulevard in Columbia. Call us today at 931-381-BOWL or visit us at 10pin.com. Ten Pin Alley, it's where the good times roll. 
Do you have trees that need trimming or removed? Do you have stumps that you want ground? A1 Tree Removal is a family-owned and operated business local to Columbia and Lewisburg and servicing surrounding Middle Tennessee. They are licensed and insured and provide free estimates. No job is too big, no tree is too small. Give old Luke a call or text Luke at 931-359-3113 or you can check them out on Facebook and tell A1 Tree Removal that you heard this ad on the radio. If you love America, you will love A1 Tree Removal. Each week on History's Hook, we'll be bringing you interesting and informative stories from the past in an effort to connect the history in our own backyard to the big events that compose national and world history. I'm your host, Tom Price. This is not your high school history class. We're going to make history fun and compelling. We're going to get you hooked. History's Hook with your host, Tom Price, Saturdays at 9 a.m. and 6 p.m. right here on WKOM 101.7 FM Front Porch Radio. Join us for a journey through time. This is Jim Ross, and you are listening to Front Porch Radio, WKOM 101.7, located in Columbia, Tennessee. Back on the Thursday edition of the Tony Tony Basilio Show, Brian Hartman, John Adams, and Matt Dixon filling in for Tony, who is attending his daughter Kaylee's college graduation from UT. We want to... We want to uh, get in touch with Chris Burke, but he needs a, a couple extra minutes here, so it's going to be closer to a quarter till 12 before we can do that. Anyway, I wanted to, in the meantime, to fill up this slot, uh, there is a proposed, I guess what they call it is some kind of an entertainment district, restaurants, uh, bars, some kind of shopping, maybe even as well, for the south end of Neyland Stadium that Danny White wants to implement, and execute here in the next few years so john and matt your thoughts on the big plans danny white has well brian i think it's a great idea um i think uh more when you're competing now for for dollars and for entertainment dollars and that's what sports is it's entertainment of course so you're competing with that you're competing with television, and so many people, I think, would rather sit home and watch the game on TV um, because it there, it removes all the hassles of actually going to the game. I think this provides something extra. It's entertainment. It enhances the game day experience. I think it'll go over really big uh, in Knoxville because that area is going to be growing in other ways, too. You'll have the Smokies Stadium not far away. Uh, so I think it's a really good idea and far-sighted on, on uh, A.D. Danny White's part, uh, Chancellor Don Day Plowman and, and Randy Boyd, the president of the UT system. Uh, I think it's very smart. I mean, I think other schools will do this. Tennessee has the advantage of having that waterfront down there. That's always an attraction for things of this nature. We've seen it in the pro sports. Uh, I really like the idea of having a hotel. Uh, right there uh, near the stadium where you can walk to the game from a hotel. I remember many years ago, uh, the first time when I was a columnist in uh, Jackson, Mississippi, uh, I was covering New Orleans Saints. I covered their home games, and they had the Hyatt Regency Hotel right next to the stadium. Uh, it's it's all still there, and you would just walk over. There would be a walkway uh, on the second deck going under the Superdome, I just thought that was so cool. Uh, you don't have to worry about if you stay there. You don't have to worry about the next day fighting traffic. You don't have to worry about finding a parking place, getting to a parking place. 
I really liked that. And that was kind of ahead of its time in a way because they had a they had a really good restaurant, a couple of restaurants there. One was really popular. I uh, even had a dance floor. It was a bar restaurant combo. Uh, they had some shops in there. And this has worked well in pro sports. Uh, the uh, Atlanta Battery connected to the Braves Stadium is very popular. I just think this will work in, t- in, in Knoxville. Now, they will have to do something because G10 is a very much necessary parking garage where a lot of people can park. They're going to have to perhaps move that a little bit, and they're going to have to work around that to, to a degree. Yeah, well, there will be, uh, yeah, it's going to be a change, and it may be, uh, uh, I don't know if it, I don't know how much it will affect parking, what they will do with parking, uh, but I just think overall it, it will be a plus and, and add something, add a lot to the game day experience at Neyland Stadium, which is always, which is already pretty good. Now, Matt, there's another thing they need to work on before they get this done. And I want you to throw out that pitch. Well, I, I still would like to be able to check scores during games, which is you know, almost impossible um, with with Verizon, at least. And, and there's no stadium Wi-Fi, obviously. So I, that would be my entertainment that I would like to fix. But, no, it's a pretty you know, forward-thinking idea and, and kind of plan. We'll see how much or how long it takes for them to, to get all that stuff approved. Uh, and, and start building, but no, it's a. It seems like a really cool concept that if if you can execute it correctly, um, it, it it'll be really nice. There's you know, there, Tennessee's just so landlocked um, with the river uh, that that some of that you know kind of have to build on top of things. So we'll, you know, they'll probably they'll figure all that out. But no, it, it's a really unique concept. But uh, I still would like the Wi-Fi kneeling to work first. You know, there's some people that, that probably will want to go take in the game from the entertainment district as opposed to even going in the stadium. Well, I, when you think about that, you talk about these watch parties where Tennessee's playing a big game on the road. Uh, you could use that, take advantage of that, and bring people down to the district with high-def, big-screen TVs. Uh, it's surprising maybe that nobody ever thought about that, thought, thought of that with the World, uh, World's Fair. Uh, area uh, in the past. I mean, you know how how much to, uh, fans care about Tennessee football, and it just draws a crowd. And I think if you can create something, a magnet for fans, I think they will come out. I could see it. Imagine Tennessee playing uh, Alabama in Tuscaloosa or Georgia in Athens, and you create a sort of a mini stadium there for uh, for a watch party on game day. Yeah, and you could do the same for basketball as well if they make a run into the NCAA tournament. If they ever get past the Sweet 16, Matt, you could have a Elite Eight watch party or a Final Four watch party. Who knows? Yeah, you see it with, I think hockey teams do it a lot, or at least they at least show it during games all the time when the away team is, is playing in the in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So, no, it'd be, and, and I think soccer too. So, yeah, it'd be, it'd, that'd be a really cool thing. I hadn't even thought of that. That's a really good Really good points, John. I have a lot of because they've done that for baseball here occasionally, even for home games where they've had a couple thousand a block party. Um, thing. But you, ha- yeah, you have those little block parties. You do something like like what John's talking about. That'd be that'd be a really cool experience. And you see, I've seen NBA playoff games where there's like a little square and outside the arena, 
especially in places like Milwaukee, Toronto, and you've got all these fans in there in this little rectangular square thing, and they're sort of it sort of looks like a real crowded thing. They're all standing, but they you know they they show shots of them, and every time there's a big shot, they're they're celebrating and jumping up and down and stuff. So you could probably do something similar to that here. I also wonder if it, it could affect Tennessee more in a way, sort of. Uh, uh, in terms of on the field product, I think if you had this this complex, this entire complex, a hotel, all the stuff we're talking about, if you're coming here, even for a recruit, if he sees all this, what this shows, what this would show, is how much uh, sports matter in this town. And of course, Knoxville is growing by leaps and bounds right now, but you see how much. I just think it could have an overall positive vibe about it as far as the sport goes. Uh, I don't know that, you know, who else could match that in the SEC. I mean, I just think it's it's also a tribute to Tennessee's leadership. Uh, and talking about the president, the chancellor, and, of course, A.D. Danny White. Um, I don't know if a lot of the previous leaders could have pulled anything off like this. You I know. Mean, uh, you go back to Dave Hart, and his most no- noteworthy achievement probably was having the Lady Vols name removed uh, from all sports, ex- women's sports, except uh, basketball. Saw so how that worked out. You know, the uh, biggest the biggest win might be Randy Boyd's loss in the gubernatorial race a few years ago. The biggest win for <laughs> UT, because he's been a complete godsend. And everything has kind of fallen in line under his leadership. Well, you're right, and and you know he's not he's he's a businessman, and uh, he's been in the sports business with the Smokies, and uh, he he you know he's very far-sighted, I think, and, and he knows how these things can work. And I just don't think Tennessee's had that kind of leadership previously, Matt. No, the, the the leadership from you know Randy Boyd and and Donnie Plumman also she's been uh, um, really involved with athletics and you see her I, you know see her at these sporting events about all the time um, and you know unlike past uh, ads and and kind of chances she's not taking pictures to show she's there you know just to to put the Instagram <laughs> up like like a sorority girl so she's actually there watching games so uh, I, but no that's a, a really good point about the leadership and. And Randy Boyd is kind of the perfect, the perfect school president for a for an athletic department because he is kind of an extension of that, um, given his background. So it's and and he's a UT guy who just kind of cares about this place, and that you know kind of matters a lot. Yeah, I I think go ahead, Brian. Were you talking a little to somebody update. else other than me? I, a little update here. <laughs> I've got to do everything. I've got to talk and then call and everything else chris burke will be able to join at 12 now so todd walker is uh, well he's lurking in the background somewhere well i think <laughs> it's important that we uh we manage this show to fit chris's schedule he's I, a I big star so. yes and I he's mean, he's a he's apparently aware that he has leverage right now yes yeah, we're we're having to take take a couple of mound visits to kind of stall some time for for him to get ready, swinging in the cage. It's like a rain delay. We have to we have to wait. You know, you think you're gonna they they say they're gonna start the game at at this time, and then a few minutes later it's gonna be ten minutes later, and eventually 
you get the first pitch thrown and you start. So that's what we're going through here. So Chris Burke will be on at 12 as the balls get ready to face South Carolina in a pretty pivotal SEC series, the final one of the regular season in 2023. What seems odd about this matchup is South Carolina seems to show up on the schedule either at the very start of the SEC portion or at the end of the the last weekend of the regular season. They began the SEC campaign last year in 2022 in March, and they were the final SEC series on the road in 2021, and they were supposed to be the opener in 2020, a season that got canceled. So it's funny how that kind of works out, Matt. Yeah, very odd uh, scheduling right that there. it worked at because they haven't played, yeah, played them to start last year, but really a completely different South Carolina program at this point um, with just a few guys kind of holdovers and a few of those aren't even going to play. Like, you know, Will Sanders, I believe, was their, I think he was the Saturday starter uh, last year uh, when they came up here. So, um, you know, and Tennessee's catching them, you know, at the right time for Tennessee's sake with, with South Carolina just kind of scuffling here over the last month. Uh, you know, um, you know, after that Florida series where they swept Florida and, and were number three in the country, you know, you thought, uh oh, this, this South Carolina team's kind of locked into hosting a potential super regional and, and with a, a road to Omaha. And now it's, as John mentioned, it's kind of a play in just to be a regional host. It's, uh, it's interesting at it, the way things are going for South Carolina and, uh, Tennessee was something at stake in this series. It kind of, I'm kind of flashing back to football season here. Uh, when Tennessee made that ill-fated trip to Columbia, it was in the running for the college football playoff. And go back and look at South Carolina's situation back then. Uh, both running backs were, were hurt. Uh, so it had to kind of retool its offense, built it all around Spencer Rattler's throwing. Uh, Upset Tennessee uh, by a stunning margin, 63-38, to 38, knocked the Vols out of the college football playoff. And so here we go with another South Carolina team, not in the best of shape health-wise, but playing at home, something to, something at stake. So uh, some other some fans might think about that uh, oh, going in there. Geez, it looks no, like I'm it's set it. up. Why are you doing it, John? Well, no, I'm just saying. I think it's set up for Tennessee to do well, but it also was set up for Tennessee to do well, I thought, in football. And it didn't work out. Well, let's make way. sure they don't over let's make sure they don't oversand the field uh, down <laughs> there and and let's let's hope there's no tea in Tennessee's baseball locker room that a player stepped on. <laughs> John Adams is presented by Seniors Helping Seniors online at seniorshelpingseniors.com. As we go to our phones for the first time, and I have a mystery guest here. Mystery guest, welcome in. You, you guys sound incredible on this Thursday morning. Thank you for uh, doing what you're doing, all of you. And John Adams, you sound great today, and I hope you had a terrific time away uh, watching birds and whatnot. Uh, I will say that uh, Danny White Shopping District got me to thinking, John and Matt and Brian and uh, – if I were in there today, I would ask you guys to, and the callers, to compile a list of potential businesses and what they could be that we could put there. For instance, Philip Former's Cafe or Philip Former's Food Truck 
or Philip Fulmer. I don't know. We could come up with something there. How about uh, Philip Fulmer's lifetime uh, skybox? Ooh, well, we, I, I well, we could put the skybox there. Great view of the river. Uh, I was also thinking, uh, John, that uh, it would be a wonderful thing to, you know, include some of our previous uh, regime uh, folks in this. Uh, I was thinking about a like a Jeremy Pruitt boiled peanuts stand, maybe exotic, different kind of nuts for, for Jeremy Pruitt, unless something else comes to mind, maybe a maybe a Southern-style cafe for Jeremy Pruitt. Um, but I was thinking about various different folks that we've had come through here and some of the different stores and shops, that we curiosity shops we could put there. Uh, John Adams, do you have a thought? Uh, that's a, I mean, that's a great, uh, I was thinking about that for a column idea. I really like the, uh, the Philip Fulmer food truck idea um because what what, think, what would be the theme what do you think with the theme would be of the former food truck um well it would definitely be an all-you-can-eat type thing. it would be something where you need a butcher well, knife yeah it needs to be a sit down fulmer needs a sit-down restaurant you gotta help no, like but, uh, but i'd like to see philip fulmer drive up here's what you do you do a combo you have an actual sit-down <laughs> restaurant maybe picnic benches but you also have philip fulmer driving up in a food truck and then people can eat out on the park benches, uh, and he can come around, and uh, you can uh, he'll sign uh, um, sign autographs for a fee, of course. And uh, I really like that idea. Also, the past uh, former former coaches and administrators. Uh, gosh, what could, you could do something with Butch Jones, couldn't you? Maybe well, I'm a, thinking like could get, uh, Butch Jones, like a hair salon or a or a boutique. Uh, Derek Dooley I, could I, have a something shop for for Butch and Dooley. You could you know get you tailor your pant your orange pants and then kind of measure yes. your neck for the that top button. Uh, maybe the so it might be a good shoes. fun thing for you guys. All to, that. Yeah, it might be a good fun thing for you guys to kick around. And Brian, if you want to give away a couple of uh, alumni hall. Gift cards, courtesy of our friends at Alumni Hall. And remember, if you're in town for graduation, that's a great spot to uh, go this weekend and pick up some stuff. And that's why I'm not on the air today. My lovely daughter is graduating the sixth grade today uh, in engineering. So uh, her and Jethro Bodine both will be graduating the sixth grade, which is a great thing. Um, but, yeah. When the first thing I thought about when I saw that was, what is the spoof spot that you could put up there? And Brian, I like how Brian just indiscriminately, John, while you were talking, screamed out something about a knife, former and a knife. You need a steak, it was like just, steak, uh, uh, it was very subtle, Brian. Where very you, subtle. Uh, where you have to cut up the steak yes. at your table or something. Keep, yeah, they, yeah. The slogan can be, "We keep keep the knife sharp." The former steakhouse. That could be like the symbol, the knife. Maybe well, like a, the, the uh, former steakhouse, and you got to get like a good, strong knife in there. John, does it ever go away? It's only been thirty years, and we're still bringing it up. Are we something wrong with us, John? Or do you find this to be um, good humor? There's nothing wrong with me, Tony. You, uh, I can only speak for myself. Uh, remember the the Shoney's restaurant. Does Shoney still have that big boy? 
No, the Shoney's big boy. That was Bob. That was Bob's big boy. It wasn't Shoney's. That was Bob's big boy. Shoney's barely has a Shoney's anymore, John. That's right. I thought there was a Shoney's big boy. No, there was Bob's big boy. Shoney's didn't have the big boy. It was Shun. It was. Now you're giving me a sight. Laura, is that right? It was Bob's big boy, wasn't it? No, I think Shoney's had a big boy. I know it did. I think they did. Then they sort of that. That might be why they went out of business. They got rid of the big boy. But yeah. what I think with a Fulmer style restaurant, if you had Philip Fulmer as the big boy up there, as sort of a, a marquee uh, for the uh, restaurant, I think that would work. I think this whole thing is, without a doubt, the possibilities are endless. Uh, the Curry Cafe. Featuring all the different styles, all the different world cuisines. You mean uh, John Shoemaker Cafe, where he wanted to put Rocky Top Cafes in China or something? John Shoemaker, who had the Rocky perfect. Top Cafes in China. I forgot about John Shoemaker and his bite no, in China. John Curry could have like a airport shuttle China. service where you, have, where you know China. where people are when they're, when they're flying. Say? Curry, uh, he could have his own aviation type of wing. And the, the, the possibilities for something like what Danny White's proposing down through the years in our history, the possibilities are about like uh, John, um, Dave Hart's, um, you could have a motif there where Dave Hart's lounge where it's males only, no women allowed after his <laughs> war on women. I would have a men's uh, uh, only. I think you would have a, um, a salon there, hairstyle salon. I think would yep, be like a men's only salon. Yes, for Dave Hart. Uh, Tony, I, I hate to belabor this point. Well, not really, but uh, yes, big boy. Uh, Shoney's did have the big boy, and uh, it eventually dropped the big boy affiliation. But it started big boy. Uh, Big Boy began with Shoney's. Because people kept stealing them. So that's why they <laughs> that's why they had to drop it. Everyone kept came along and when they were close, taking it off. I come to think of it, I believe I saw one of those big boys in a pasture somewhere in Kansas once. <laughs> yeah, that, exactly. <laughs> I believe those big boys are collectible. I, I believe we ought to get in touch with Isaac Moore. Or Chumley or somebody. AKA, they probably got him out there. If, well, Isaac Moore is the official junk man of this program. He's the king of the thrift. And Ike Moore ought to find us a big boy, John. Would you display it proudly in your neighborhood if I found you a big boy? Would your neighbors mind? Would it be against the homeowners association, a big boy in your front yard? We don't. I, anything goes in our neighborhood. Um you know, it's a, at least you wouldn't have to worry about trimming it or anything. My wife's talking about we need a landscaper. Well, if you had to put a big boys up in your front yard, there's no landscaping to be done. Everything kind of, you know, he's the focal point of the, as people pass by, we're on the dogwood oh. trail. Uh, I think we can like a be... sports bar, though. You can keep all your autographed footballs from all these coaches, maybe some, like, canceled checks. Somebody, uh, Tony, there's all kinds of left. possibilities for this deal. Speaking of autographed footballs, Tony, interesting you brought that up. Someone dropped off a Jeremy Pruitt 
um, autographed football at my doorstep. It's certainly not anything I would have purchased, but uh, somebody did that. I, I think they did it for fun. Uh, you certainly wouldn't take something like that seriously. But I have that. How much do you think a Jeremy Pruitt autographed football could be worth? I would think that you could take the price of whatever that football's worth uh-huh. and subtract like and subtract half of it. Yeah, and that's probably what that ball's worth right now. Hmm. Okay. So unless you're the NCAA and there are trace amounts of cash on it, I w- it would be. I think it would probably be more valuable if his babysitter autographed it too. Right there. On that note, Tony, I think um, I wanted to just tell you enjoy the moment here, and we're going to take a timeout. And on the other on the other side, we've got Chris Burke. Tony, I appreciate you chiming in. You wait a oh, second. Wait, wait, wait a second here. You're pushing me off my own show. Yeah. For know. that, I'm a, I'm FBI, full-blooded Italian, okay? He's That's HBI. That's a whole move, Brian. He's half-blooded. He's half-blooded Italian. I'm FBI. You're pushing me off for Chris Burke on the other side. Is Todd Walker Italian? No, but he's honorary. This Chris Burke guy is the same guy that compared that kid down at Florida, Otani, sent me a text over the weekend and said, how about some love for this guy at Florida, Tony? I'm like, Chris, you compared him to Otoni. Otoni, who's like from another planet. That's who Chris Burke's guy is. He's Otoni. That's what we ought to call that dude. Are you kidding me, Berkey? I mean, look, I'm the king of bad takes. I will admit it. I've had some bad takes down through the years. We do that as long as I am. And your takes, I mean, you're going to have some bad takes. Comparing that guy to Otoni? Come on, Burke. Burke, get Tony, better. Be better. Tony, I, Brian wants you off the show right now. I think you should. I, I know he does. But, John, thank you. Thank you, Seniors Helping Seniors, for providing John. And uh, Matt Dixon has a world premiere as soon as the show's over uh, right here at tclub.team. It will be heard. A preview of the South Carolina series and where the baseball balls are. Right now, heading into tonight's action, congratulations to all the graduates, including my lovely daughter and my handsome son, and we appreciate you all. Thank you. Uh, Carry on, Chris Burke. Carry on. Thank you, Tony. Enjoy the day. As we will take a time out, this is the Tony Basilio Show on a Thursday with John Adams, presented to you by Seniors Helping Seniors, online at seniorshelpingseniors.com, and Matt Dixon will be back on the other side. Spread the word and get the app at TonyBasilio.com for Android and iPhones. This is Big Lou Maddox, and you're listening to the best radio in southern Middle Tennessee, WKOM 101.7 FM, Columbia. Hi, I'm Robert Rogers at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC. And I'm Michael Parks Lawrence at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC. Together, we're Mr. Bobby Parks' grandsons, and we run his dealership, and we are glad to be part of our local community. Being family-owned and operated, we invest heavily in our community. We do things like sports teams, schools, bands, you name it. We try to help everybody we can. The reason why we do this is because we all love this community. So come do business with us, your neighbors, at Parks Motor Sales in Columbia, Tennessee, right off Nashville Highway, or at ParksMotorSales.com. 
Hello, I'm Barbara Lincoln with Holland's Pharmacy. You may have heard our previous commercials about compression hosiery that we carry at Holland's Pharmacy. Well, we've recently expanded into a full line of knee braces, back, wrist, ankle, and other support wear. We will gladly help you get just the right fit for these items and, of course, special order items to ensure the proper fit. Come see us at Holland's Pharmacy, 1608 Hatcher Lane, or call us at 931-388-4233. 388-4233. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard, so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the drywall that somehow isn't. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090 for all your home comfort needs. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. Hi, this is Steve, the Garbage Man. Y'all have heard me talk in the past about Packer, our mascot dog. Well, I have some sad news about Packer. She recently crossed over the Rainbow Bridge to join our other beloved pets of the past. Packer lived out her final days on our farm in Water Valley. She had a great 14 years of life after being rescued by Don from being thrown away as a pup in someone's garbage. Rest in peace, Packer. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole barn. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. Hello, my name is Connor Mims. My wife Bradley and I live in Columbia, Tennessee in Riverside. I am a deck and porch builder and my wife is a second grade teacher at Riverside Elementary. My specialty is designing and building elegant and comfortable porches and decks. Let me work with you to design and build the porch or deck of your dreams. Give us a call today from our website, MimsModernLandscape.com. That's MimsModernLandscape.com and check out what we have to offer. Thanks. This is Laurie Cole, Executive Director with Pay Grace Forward. We are a community solution to predatory lending. We help people in Murray County who are trapped in payday and title loan debt. We do this through financial mentoring, followed by low interest grace loans. To see if Pay Grace Forward can help you or to volunteer with our organization, please visit our website at paygraceforward.org or call 931-548-6797. Have you heard the news? The Big Yellow School Bus with your host, Jack Cobb, with Murray County Public Schools has a new day and time. Hop on the Big Yellow School Bus Saturdays at 10 a.m. right here on WKOM 101.7 FM to hear all about what's happening in and around Murray County Public Schools. The Big Yellow School Bus with Jack Cobb and Friends on Front Porch Radio, Saturdays at 10 a.m. on WKOM 101.7 FM. 
Tint on Wheels is changing their Columbia location. You can now visit us at 406 South James Campbell Boulevard, the same window tinting you've trusted for over 30 years on all types of windows, car, business, or residential. We now offer accessories to elevate your ride. It's only getting bigger and better. With three locations, Columbia, Lewisburg, and Lawrenceburg, we do our best for you. Summer's coming. Let's get you ready. Call 931-619-TINT today. Fast-paced health provides easy access to quality care close to home. The streets you live on are the streets we live on. We're part of the baseball games and Main Street parades. Your community is our community, and it's our mission to provide you with quick, convenient, and affordable health care. We're here for the injuries and illnesses, the preventative treatments, the chronic conditions, and so much more. Fast-paced health. Reserve your spot in line today. Fast-paced health is now open at 600 South James M. Kimball Boulevard. This is Jack Cobb with Murray County Public Schools and the Big Yellow School Bus. You're listening to Front Porch Radio on 101.7 WKOM in Columbia, Tennessee. Hour two of the Tony Basilio Show on a Thursday begins. This is Brian Hartman filling in for Tony. John Adams presented to you by Seniors Helping Seniors online at seniorshelpingseniors.com and our normal Tuesday and Thursday man, Matt Dixon. And finally... We are going to connect with Chris Burke, who is on his way from his home in Louisville down to Hawkins Stadium in Nashville to call the Vanderbilt-Arkansas series, which will be on the SEC Network. Game one of that is tonight. I believe it starts at 7 Eastern time. Chris, welcome to the program. What's up, fellas? Sorry uh, sorry, it took me a while to hook up with you all, but glad to be on. Matt? Oh well, yeah. Which coach were you, were you interviewing uh, before you joined us, Chris? Who 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 got who who was who did we get bumped for? You got bumped for uh, me cutting my grass before I'm about to leave town for about the next six weeks. Oh, oh that's not fun. And they wasn't she, it wasn't wasn't no Dave Van Horn or anybody. Now we'll talk to uh, DVH here in a little bit. The wizard, the wizard that is. How about? Six straight years of 18 or more wins in the SEC. That's uh, they, they amazing do, consistency. They do it every every year, and they they somehow do it under the radar every year. They because they don't. I guess they don't have the the star power that other teams do, and yet they're always you know right there at the top of the standings at the end of the season. Chris, when you yeah. when you go ahead, John. The, uh, when you look at the SEC standings right now, uh, not really what I envisioned in uh, preseason. Uh, what are you? Th- what are the biggest surprises to you? I look at it at Ole Miss, at defending national champions, is uh, worst record in the league, six and twenty-one in in league play. Tennessee, uh, with that historic fifty-seven and nine season last year. Uh, now has the seventh best overall record in the conference. Uh, you, you know, it, it's just uh, it's not what we expected in in uh, preseason. What's the biggest surprise of this season going into the final weekend of the regular season? What's the biggest surprise to you? Um, I would say you know LSU's. Lack of pitching depth has been a surprise. The fact that they've gotten next to nothing out of Thatcher Hurd or Christian Little 
Uh, now, there's some, some injuries have been a part of their surprise, but, uh, you know, that, that pitching staff just has not performed very well, and I think most people thought Wes Johnson was going to be able to really get a lot out of Christian Little and Thatcher Hurd, and that just hasn't taken place. Um, you know, I was surprised Mississippi State didn't bounce back. I thought with the offense they had returning and a year of development with some of the talented arms that seemed to be on campus last year that just didn't throw a ton of strike, I thought Mississippi State would be back in the mix. And obviously, you know, the pitching's just been that bad. Uh, their offense has been plenty good enough to be back in the mix. But the pitching's just truly been that bad. Tennessee's been surprising in the fact that they haven't. You know, I think, John, I think I picked Tennessee to go 20-10, and 10, okay? If they win two out of three this weekend, which I would say is, I guess what their road record would be, They'd still probably be an underdog if you were handicapping it, but it wouldn't be a shock, right, if they won two out of three. If they win two out of three, they finish 16 and 14. And they got swept by Missouri, which is a total anomaly. Um, and so, you know, you, you could argue they, they, they were in the mix to be right around at that 17 to 19 wins if they don't just completely – no show Missouri. And so I don't think Tennessee has been a shocker, but definitely a little disappointing from an overall record standpoint. Um, and I think, you know, I think Arkansas, Arkansas is a preseason top 10 team. So is Vanderbilt. I think Arkansas has been a little better than I thought they'd be. I think, um, I think Vanderbilt honestly has been, I did not, I, Vanderbilt was a top 10 preseason team and I didn't think that they would be. Um, and so, you know, even though it's been a rough last couple weeks, uh, they've been surprisingly solid. And I would say that from the bottom looking up, um, Kentucky, I think, has been a, a really nice surprise. Just because anytime you're in a league as talented as the SEC and you bring a lot of kind of low-profile transfers into the league, it's hard to see that going well. and. And it's really gone well for Kentucky, considering. Speaking of Kentucky, if they get tabbed as a host for a regional, they won't be able to play in their ballpark because of the high school state tournament that's been scheduled for Kentucky Proud Park that same weekend. What plan would they have in place? Where would they have to play? Would they have to go and say the two-seed in their region, would the two-seed in their region be the host? Or would they use a neutral site somewhere? Yeah, I don't. I you know it's funny. I have not heard that officially talked about. So I'm going to get to the bottom of that. I know I'll see them in in Hoover. Um, where did you see that, Brian? I think it was a tweet. Somebody had Larry, a tweet out. Larry Vaught tweet. Larry Vaught tweeted it out the other day that the state high school tournament is at Kentucky Skate Park the weekend of the regionals. Something tells me that that would move before Kentucky would move. Like, I, I got to believe that there's language in that deal, it, it, right? I mean, if you're Kentucky, surely you put language in that deal that says, hey, if we host, we have the right to find, a, you know, an alternate location, whether that's the 
minor league park in town or Western Kentucky or Eastern Kentucky or Louisville, right? Like if you're Louisville, why wouldn't Louisville want to host that? You know what I mean? So my guess is that that would be the alternative more so than Kentucky not hosting in their own ballpark. There's no way you spend $60 million on a ballpark and not host if you get the chance. I mean, wouldn't you agree with that? Yeah, it certainly makes sense. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but I was having a conversation with somebody yesterday, and, and they said they thought it would affect it because of that, that Kentucky wouldn't get a regional host, and that would enhance Tennessee's chances of hosting a regional if it does well uh, this weekend against South Carolina. I just I can't picture that. I mean, for, for, for a place like Kentucky where nobody even thinks about baseball – until April, and that's that's only when they're good, your only justification for building a stadium the way they did was to be able to make some money if you're good enough to host a regional super regional. I I just, I'm going to have to wait to see that to believe it. If I'm Mitch Barnhart, there's no way you can let an opportunity like this pass. Well, you... uh... Getting back to Tennessee, Chris, when you mentioned that Missouri season, the the Missouri SEC opening series for Tennessee is being such an aberration. But if you just took, if Tennessee, I think it would be realistic to think going into that series, Missouri's one of the worst teams in the East, you would think Tennessee would sweep that series. It would be just the opposite. And also, Georgia with one of the worst records in the East, uh, you would think, particularly after Tennessee won the opener that uh, that series in impressive fashion, you would think Tennessee would win two out of three in Athens. You reverse those uh, series, and and that's five and one, and Tennessee would be going into the final weekend eighteen and nine, and they'd be a, almost a lock to host a super regional too. They would have a good shot at it. It would have one of the best records in the in the SEC. But isn't that kind of what this Tennessee team is he just when you think it might be coming around or really starting to roll is during that nine game winning streak it falters uh just uh and losing the last game of the uh Kentucky series uh 10 nothing those kind of things that the the unpredictability of this Tennessee teams that that's just kind of what it's been all season yeah you know I said early and I thought Tennessee would be much different at home than the road, but it's hard to predict that they would be that bad on the road, right? Um, it's one thing to not win the LSU series on the road and even maybe get swept at Arkansas on the road, but to think that they haven't won a single road series and they got swept at Missouri and they couldn't win one of the last two against Georgia, like those are things that you just couldn't possibly predict. Um, and you know what's funny is, I mean, and maybe that's because of of the newness of their position player. Not maybe that it, it is because it's the newness of their position player group. But you know, you you can call Tennessee's preseason ranking silly if you'd like. But the, what you just said, that scenario you just laid out, if Tennessee would have done that, they'd be ranked in the top five right now. <laughs> Yeah, even even with all the setbacks and disappointments, yeah, it would have still had a. You're right; it would be high in the top ten. 
Um, no, I mean, if Tennessee beat Missouri twice and Georgia one more time, and they were 17 and uh, 10 right now, they, there is no doubt they would be ranked in the top five. They're hosting a Super Regional, too. Yeah, they Probably. would be a They're top, top eight. eight. Yeah. yeah, easily. They would be a top eight. Seed. That, yeah. That's that's how close they are. I mean, people don't realize that's how close they are to being not even not only a regional host, but a, hosting the next weekend as well. Well, and that that's what I've I've always said to you guys, and what I what I knew would really grab your attention of this sport once you fell in love with it is how much different a, a game or two on your record changes so much of your postseason outlook. Now, look, I mean, last year they were they hosted a Super Regional and didn't go to Omaha. Just because you don't host doesn't mean you can't go to Omaha. Last year, I think, five of the eight Omaha participants didn't host the Super Regional. So, you know, it's, it's not a prerequisite to, to, to get to Omaha to host. But it certainly is a great thing for your program and for your fans. Chris, uh... When, I know this is a topsy-turvy league when it comes to baseball because because there's so many t- good teams that you can't take any series for granted. But what's happened at Ole Miss is one of the more stunning turnabouts I've ever seen in SEC sports to go from a national champion to six and twenty-one in the conference. <laughs> well, can you two years in a row, John? Two years. I mean, Mississippi huh? State. Did. How does that happen? Yeah, Mississippi State did. Well, it, it is absolutely the, the best example of how tight and slim the margins are in this league. And if you're Ole Miss, you lose Hunter Elliott and Josh Ballard, which is your number one in your closer. And both of them are, are legitimate number one in closers, right? So if you, if you, if you, if you, if you literally have those two players, I bet you those two players are worth Let's just say they're worth four wins, okay? So that 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 would have them at ten right now, which still isn't obviously still isn't great. That's missing the NCAA term, but that would have them at ten. And then in addition to that, you have uh, what's supposed to be a superstar shortstop in Jacob Gonzalez that has had a mediocre year by his standards. Um, a couple of their portal pickups have been just okay. And so you tried to replace, you know, Elko with a portal pickup and um, uh, your center fielder with a portal pickup, and it just it just hasn't quite um, melded together. And, you know, the, again, the difference between – and let's not forget, they won the national championship, but they only won 14 conference games last year. Yeah. So, you know, if, if – a couple transfers show up. If the shortstop has a little bit of a better year and they stay healthy on the mound, I mean, they probably would have won 12 or 13 games in the conference and be right around the bubble, which is exactly where they were last year. Um, and that's, that's how crazy the league is. Uh, and Mississippi State the year before, you know, they lost uh, Tanner Allen, Rowdy Jordan, and Landon Sims, and uh, Will Bednar. And those four players were worth like eight wins in the conference. I mean, they were. You know, you don't, you don't mention. I don't think you mentioned Alabama, who is right behind Tennessee in the standings. Or, as a matter of fact, they're one game behind. They have to play that Ole Miss team at home in a three-game series. That series means nothing to Ole Miss. If Tennessee yeah. is not careful, Auburn, who gets to face Missouri, and Alabama, 
could knock them down to maybe ninth in the SEC. Yeah. What about the story? Why does it, John? Why does it feel like Alabama's going to Omaha? <laughs> would, would that be a story or what? Uh, I don't think I would can, bet on it. Can you? Can you? Can you bet? <laughs> I, Somebody already I, has, probably. Well, sure. Chris, what you're talking about this uh, minute margin for error? Just think what that does with all these. Uh, with these recruiting battles for the transfer portal guys, uh, go back to the previous off season going in when when Tennessee and LSU are going head to head for these some of these prime prospects. I know Tennessee would like to have had Paul Skeens as a pitcher. He's the dominant guy in college baseball now. I mean, what if Tennessee would have got going to Golden Spikes too? Uh, let, let me just think about this. Where would LSU be without Tommy White and Paul Skeens? Dixie, how many wins do you think LSU would have in the conference if Tommy White and Paul Skeens were not on their team? Uh, they'd be right there with uh, Georgia and Missouri trying to get in the Hoover. Think about <laughs> Which think is about stunning. two players, two players. They still would have Dylan Cruz and Trey Morey on two players. What do they have right now? Seventeen conference wins. Is that yes, what LSU has seventeen. Paul Skeens yeah. is worth six. Seventeen and nine. <laughs> I and, mean, well, I think Chris, and, it's a and great Tommy incentive. White. Tommy White's going to drive in a hundred runs, maybe. He's got eighty-six RBIs. Well, Go ahead, sorry, John. Yeah, well, Chris, I, I think it's a, it's a great incentive for boosters uh, when they can see when you're talking about putting up money in a collective and you're trying to lure a transfer portal player uh when you see how much impact you can get more buy, you can get more buying for your bucks in baseball uh maybe even than than in basketball because the teams are so closely bunched in this league i think it's an interesting point um you know it's hard for me to say you get more bang for your well I guess that would be relative to what, what, what kind of bucks we're talking about, so to speak. <laughs> you know, there, there is no sport where the best player dominates more than basketball. So it would hard to, it would be hard to, hard to think that basketball wouldn't still be number one in that regard. But, um, you know, Paul Skeens, unfortunately for those that are the biggest players in the transfer portal, Paul Skeens isn't available every year there isn't and tommy white literally set the freshman home run record last year like like those those two players there there might not be two better transfer portal players in the next decade than lsu got this year so that you know there might be a little bit of a of a window i will tell you this john everybody around the sport behind closed doors is trying to figure out what the transfer portal model is um, and how how much you should go, what's too much, what's not enough, you know, what are you willing to spend, what 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 what's good for your team, what's bad for your like and I don't know that there is ever gonna be a, a black and white answer to that, but it is without question the most talked about I mean, think about the University of Louisville um, was right next to Vanderbilt and Florida for the winningest program of the last decade. 
they've chosen to not participate in the transfer portal, and they're about to miss the tournament for the second time in the last three years. You know, speaking of that, Florida State has gone to, what, 45 straight tournaments now, and they will officially not make the ACC tourney, which means they won't make the NCAA for the first time in four and a half decades. Yeah, that'll change. Go ahead, John. Well, I I think uh, the SEC uh, baseball matters so much now, and it's so competitive. And when you look at the the recent national championship, like Ole Miss and and Mississippi State, and and you see how you can can have a – be close to having a national championship program, it seems like, uh, that that would uh, be a more incentive – for fans to say, hey, I'd love to see us win a national championship. Uh, and maybe you yeah. couldn't do it in football. Maybe some of these programs yeah. can't do it in football or even in basketball because maybe yeah, they would well, have to spend more for the superstar, but they can do it in baseball. Well, John, let's be honest. Most of these programs cannot do it in football, right? I think history right. is, has proven that. And the sport just doesn't allow – you know, I guess we're going to 12-team playoff, but even then, I mean, what are the odds that anybody outside of the top six traditional SEC programs make that 12-team playoff? I mean, maybe every once in a while somebody from outside that top six will be one of them, but but probably not, right? So it's like, I mean, you're, you're, you're you can, I mean, Ole Miss proved it. You can win the national championship and, and be just, a, a middle of the pack SEC regular season team. So I think you're right. I think the baseball coaches have a much easier sell for return on investment to to NIL uh, players. Like the, the, the people that want to invest in athletics, you know, let's just say Arkansas because we were talking about if you're if you're a big NIL booster at Arkansas. Where do you think your money's best spent if, if you believe the most important thing that would validate your investment is postseason success? I mean, it, it's going to be basketball or, or baseball if you're at Arkansas, isn't it? Sure. I, I just think the bidding, the bidding price will be steeper. Yeah, one player can make more of a difference in basketball, but I think the bidding price will be higher yeah, in right. basketball. I mean, you're going to have to compete with Kansas and Kentucky and and Duke and uh, the the blue bloods of the sport. Whereas in baseball, uh, you might not have to, you won't have to spend as much maybe to get the very top player, the the most elite player. You know, uh, how much pressure will, how much, if LSU doesn't reach the College World Series with the team they have and being number one, What's the, how's the fan base going to take that? I'm sure it's going to put a little bit more pressure on their new coach coming into next year. It will. I mean, you know, LSU is a national championship. There's certainly an Omaha or bust program. But, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day. Everybody, like there's, within the game, there's this thought process that LSU's like, that's it. LSU's losing their own regional. I'm like, everybody needs to chill out and remember you don't want to be the number one seed. You, you don't want to be the number one seed. You, you, if, if you ask Tony Vitello, hey, would you have liked to lose your, you know, your last two SEC series last year and maybe 
you know, be the three or four national, like, he'd probably go, well, maybe looking back, it wouldn't have been the worst thing in the world, right? Like, I think, I think if you look at it, LSU, their fans are almost now prepared for the worst. Um, and just historically, it's not good to be the number one seed. So I don't think it's the worst thing in the world that LSU's stumbled here of late. I still think even though their pitching has been atrocious the last couple weekends in general, they've got the best pitcher in the sport. Ty Floyd has been really good. And I think between Wes Johnson and Jay Johnson, they have four or five other options that I I still believe they're going to figure out a way to press the right button. Now, LSU's infield defense, that concerns me. Uh, The left side of their infield concerns me. But I still would bet on LSU being in Omaha. Me. Chris, uh, you mentioned Omaha. How many how many SEC teams, if you if you had to bet on it, uh, would make Omaha, do you think? It, until uh, something drastically changes from a trend standpoint, I, I will always pick four. Like, to me, the bottom three and the top five every year with the SEC to Omaha. So I'll pick four. And it could be any of eight teams, you know, like, but I would just, I'd be surprised if there's, if there's not four and, and I would say there'll definitely be three. You still think Tennessee can make Omaha? Absolutely. I, I mean, again, it, it's hard to get past how poorly they played on the road and they have to win two week, two games this weekend to play at home even have a chance to play at home. Um, but let's not forget, for the most part, they've played poorly on the road against other SEC teams. They're not going to have to go to an SEC ballpark for a regional. Now, they may for a super, but not for a regional. Speaking of this, Tennessee also, uh, the, Georgia getting swept by Missouri this past weekend might have been worse than what happened to Tennessee because Missouri at that time had their pitching situation was much better before they had a couple lost to injuries. Now, Georgia went to Columbia last weekend, got swept, and I think they've pretty much, they're, uh, they're out of the tourney right now, and they may actually be on their way to a coaching change. Yes, I, I think that's fair. I think, uh, look, I mean, you know, in the in, in the NIL world, and the uh, uh, transfer portal world for the for a league that is already insanely competitive for Alabama and Georgia to both be in the market for new coaches like those are two jobs that are going to be very attractive to the best coaches in the sport and it's just going to make it and all and then obviously you got Oklahoma and Texas coming in like the league is just going to get better. Chris, what would be uh, your best case scenario for Tennessee to do well in the postseason? How, how would you outline a best case scenario? Best case scenario would be win the series this weekend, have things break their way, get get in as a you know fifteen or sixteen seed. Uh, then you're going to be matched up against Wake or. Um, Potentially Arkansas, because you imagine that Tennessee, Arkansas, and a super, um, <laughs> and you know, hope for the, hope for the best in 
in the Super Regional. But um, I think the first things first is you play your tail off this weekend and give yourself the best chance to host a regional. And then, you know, I think everybody would like Tennessee's chances playing at home in a regional. And then you you put on your big boy pants and go try to win two out of three somewhere. Uh, and I think, you know, there's a lot of law of averages that you could maybe lean into for Tennessee, which would be one. Uh, they have to at some point win a series on the road, right? Like, you just hard to believe you're going to go a whole year and not win a series on the road. And number two, maybe the Super Regionals the weekend where they actually get three straight or maybe they didn't even, they don't even need three, but back-to-back great starting pitching performances. Maybe it'll happen. You know, they certainly are talented enough for it to happen. And they're going to shake up. It looks like Lindsey's going to start tonight, I believe, tomorrow. And, Matt, you can correct me on this. Tomorrow and Sunday are, st- are I mean, Saturday are still to be determined. Yeah, I, I would be stunned if, if Dolander doesn't go tomorrow. But uh, with Bean struggling two weeks in a row um, and with, with Hoover next week, I, I'm, I'm kind of curious what they do for game three uh, because I think they you have give, Seth Howerton's an option now. I think you give – yeah, Halverson. I mean, you could, obviously – I think you give Bean the weekend off. I mean, did Russell pitch Tuesday – no, he did not. I would start Russell in game three. Um, and you could maybe even go Halverson or Sewell day one of the conference tournament. Um, and as, as, as Matt knows, the conference tournament is extremely important. And is it, it is extremely important this year for Tennessee to win a couple games. If they want to host, you I agree think, with that, right, Matt? I think, yeah, they'd have to probably they got to win this series this weekend. But the, you don't want to go one and uh, done in Hoover. Who, yeah, hold on, let Matt, Hoover's let Matt actually my that. Omaha. <laughs> <laughs> Maddie, hey, I got a question for you, Matt Dixon. If you were voting for SEC player, I'd love to hear all y'all answer this. If you were voting for SEC player of the year, who'd you vote for? Uh, well, I, I mean, I guess you'd go Dylan Cruz, but. I mean, like, is it is would Paul Skeens be the other like one you two would debate, or do you keep? Now, what, do you, does it what have to be a position player? Which I I kind of lean towards. What statistic would you hang your hat on to pick Dylan Cruz? Uh, like, why well, do you well, say Dylan like, Cruz? Uh, well, he was leading the league. I mean, he was batting five hundred until like two weeks ago. Uh, on base percentage is probably close to six hundred. Uh, the run score, you know, he's, he's approaching your run scored record. Um, I, I, I mean, I, I, he's the, I mean, he's the best player in the league, but he might not have the best season, but what, what, what's your thought on that? Well, my thought is that everybody's handed it to Dylan Cruz since the season started. And, and I, I get, I get real edgy when people start handing people awards for player of the year because it's not the who's the best player award. It's who played the best. And in a year where offense is in, think about this. Jack Caglione has as many home runs as Dylan Cruz has extra base hits. Dylan Cruz is currently hitting like 435. And he has, he basically, his two gaudiest stats are, are batting average and walk. So in a year where the game's going to hit the most home runs ever and have the highest slugging percentage we've basically ever seen, 
Does the guy win player of the year because he's hit a lot of singles and walks? <laughs> like, yeah, that, that doesn't make sense it, to stole me. it from Trey Lipscomb last and, year. And Cruz can't pitch either. I mean, to me, right. John, you, you think if this is faulty. Some LSU's guys. Is, is it faulty reasoning to think here where the offense has been completely obscene that it makes what Paul Skeens is doing even way more impressive? I mean, to me, Paul Skeens should run away with the Golden Spikes Award. But if we're going to give it to – if it's going to go to a hitter, I mean, what what – and, and Ethan Petrie's falling off. But I would say that Tommy White, Charlie Condon, and even Caglione have had better offensive seasons than Dylan Cruz. I mean, Dylan Cruz basically is hanging his hat on batting average, which is, is, is not, you know, in today's game we've all kind of realized that batting average is not like the, the, the stat you should be pointing to first. Well, I, I, you know, when I was a kid, batting average was what I always looked at. We were talking many, many, we're talking decades ago, but I I still, I'm still impressed with a guy with a high batting average and and that, uh, you know, more about this. And and I know today's game is completely different, but I'm always impressed by a guy with a high batting average because you just don't see that. So much. I, I guess I'm thinking more in terms of Major League Baseball now. But for a yeah. guy to hit you, you know really what, high you know average, what you just don't see it. What? Charlie Condon. Charlie Condon did it hitting 415, but he has 24 homers. You know, Tommy White hitting 400, and he has 18 homers and 85 ribbies. Uh, Wyatt Lankford's hitting 403 or 401, and he's got like 14 and. Like, Dylan Cruz is not in the top ten in homers or ribby. Like, how well, can we have he, a year where we're going to hit the most home runs ever and and the, and the guy who's got start? You want to hear a crazy nerd stat? Okay, this sounds like I'm banging on Dylan Cruz. I think Dylan Cruz is an amazing college baseball Hall of Fame player. But my job is to, 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 to say who I think has had the best year. Dylan Cruz going into – Going into three weeks ago when he was hitting 500, like Matt was saying, before he's gone into this kind of tailspin, Dylan Cruz for the year, I'm going to really nerd out on you guys. You guys, I'm glad Tony's not on. He wouldn't let me do this. But Dylan Cruz had hit 52% of his results for the year were ground balls. And, <laughs> and on, on those ground balls, he was hitting 465. Now, do you know what the Division One average is for ground balls? Like, if you hit a ground ball, do you know what your average is on a ground ball? I under can't th- believe you know all this. Under, like, uh, prob- probably, probably, like, a little over 400, maybe. 271. The, the, the average oh, wow. batting average on a ground ball put in play is 271. In the major leagues, it's 241 last year in, tw- in 2022. The batting average on ground balls was 241. Okay. This year in Division One baseball, the average batting average on ground balls is 271. Now, I haven't run the numbers on Cruz in the last couple weeks. But, again, three weeks ago, he was hitting 465 on ground balls. So, all that to say, now, my guess is, over the last three weeks, his batting average on ground balls has gone down because his batting average in general has gone down 65 points. But all that to say, 
I just have a hard time giving the player of the year award to a dude in a year where the ball is flying out of the ballpark. So guys, I mean, he's hit some home runs, don't get me wrong, but 27 extra base hits, that's just not a dominant season. Like, I just, I'm like, I'm having a hard time pulling the trigger on that one. You're right. I'm impressed that you have, because see, I don't think, as you said, this is award is not for the best pro prospect. It's no, not, not for the most is. talented not player. You're right. right. And and I think we sometimes we are swayed too much by what in a, in all sports, not just baseball, what a guy is supposed to be, what he's going to become mm-hmm. instead of what he just did. And uh after listening to you, I'm not sure Dylan Cruz should be uh all SEC. <laughs> That's a, every time I, every time I say this stuff, my buddies in the broadcasting world will be like, "What are you saying, Berkey? He shouldn't get drafted." I'm like, you know, everybody puts <laughs> words in your mouth. It's like two things can't be true at once. I think Dylan Cruz is great. I think his season this year has been aided by a lot of good fortune, and um, his overall season is actually below his last year's season. It really is. He, he hasn't had as good a year this year as he did last year, except for getting more singles, which I just don't equate that to being the player of the year. Ground ball and, and I get a little, I get a little edgy about it because you, you and I both know if, if Bryce Young would have been having Hendon Hooker's season or, 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 you know, fill in the blood, if, if Will Levis would have been having Hendon Hooker's season, he'd have been a runaway favorite for the Heisman, right? It's like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like we we get so caught up Uh, in, in prospect status and we don't just look at who's, who's having the best year. Who's playing the best, you know? Um, and and it's hard because George is out of it. It's hard to give it to Charlie Condon because George is out of it. Freshman of the year, Um, though, you could give it to him, right? What's that? Freshman of the year, you could probably give it to Condon, I'd say, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I'm not crazy about red shirt freshmen being freshman of the year, but I guess it is what it is. But I don't know, man. I just, I'm, I'm like, I just, I'm like, eh, you know, I could argue Tommy White's been a more productive hitter than Dylan Cruz. Like, you know, people say, well, who's he driving in? Well, like he's got 83 ribbies. I think Dylan Cruz has like 75 runs. I'm not, I'm not saying they both don't help each other. But Dylan Cruz's batting average has dropped 65 points in the last three weeks, and Tommy White has driven in like 30 runs. So as Dylan Cruz has not been on base nearly as much, Tommy White has still been going off. And don't forget that Gavin Dugas and Trey Morgan hit first and second in that lineup, and those two guys both have like 450 on base percentages too. So anyway, I just I, I wanted to bring that up because as most people are doing exactly what Matt did, which is just say Dylan Cruz, and then you ask them why, and they're like, uh, well, uh, got a high batting average? Like, oh, okay. Yeah. How, how's, how's his slugging and OPS still so high? Like, I don't, like, you're well, right because, about the you know, slugging is total bases, right? Slugging so, and OPS are... But slugging is total bases. I mean, a single is still a total base. Right, so when you have a really high batting average, that that drastically helps your slugging, right? And your OPS is obviously, you know, half of that equation is your you're on base. So he leads the country in walks, 
and he's got an insanely high batting average, all those things help your sluggy. But if you if you just say extra base hit, his extra base hit total is pretty ordinary. Chris, uh, this is a, without a doubt doubles, the most passionate. This is the most passionate, compelling argument I've ever heard against somebody being player of the year in any sport. <laughs> it's pretty impressive, really. Well, the SEC one is like, it's kind of hard. Okay, so if it's not Dylan Cruz, who do you give it to? You know, it gets a little messy. But to me, the Golden Spikes Award is like a no-brainer Paul scheme. And the kid, you know, the kid from, uh, you guys, if you get a second, you should look up J.J. Weatherholt from from uh, West Virginia stats. He's hitting like 480 with 14 homers, 35 stolen bases. And then this kid, Nick, uh, Shanuel from Florida Atlantic that leads the country in OPS. His numbers are crazy, stupid, silly. But, again, Dylan Cruz, Wyatt Lankford, Paul Skeens are still going to be one, two, three in the draft. And if somebody takes Dylan Cruz first, you know, I'll tell them, great job. They got an incredible prospect. But I don't think that – I don't I don't think his player of the year candidacy is as strong as it would appear on surface level. Do you think that people are pitching him more carefully maybe than anybody else in the league? I think that's fair. Again, I'm going to nerd out on you. It's really interesting. His first pitch swing analytics are really high, and his first pitch <laughs> oh, take percentage this. is – like, he's swinging a lot. Now, I think because he's Dylan Cruz and it's college baseball, I think he's gotten a lot of walks that are probably I'm scared to death of you, and here's four – really easy take walks. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but let's not forget, Tommy White hits behind him, so it's not like you can just walk Dylan Cruz. And uh, so, uh, you know, some of his walk totals are a little bit confusing, to be honest with you. But give credit to Tommy White. He's made people pay pretty much every time they've walked Dylan Cruz. If you had to pick an SEC player of the year, and he had to be from Tennessee, who would you pick? I'd pick Jared Dickey. I think Dickey. I think Dickey has been the game in, game out, most consistent uh, hitter on that team. What's his status for this weekend, Matt? Uh, I I don't think he'll play the field. I, he'll probably, maybe he'll pinch hit or and DH, but I'd be stunned if he plays the field. Um, but I tell him a little crazy, right but it's made it sound like he's he, he'll he's he'll play. He'll at least hit some. Which shoulder is it? Uh, right shoulder. Oh, it's his right shoulder. So okay. it's a, a lefty hitter, but it's his throwing shoulder as well. Yeah, I, I some I know exactly what he did. He subluxed that that shoulder. It looked like it. I don't know what they're calling it. What did they call it? Uh, he's just Vitellos just said he's had soreness. They really kind of cagey about it, but he has said that he's going to play again. It's not anything structure, but it's a pain tolerance deal. I would think. I would think they can. uh, I think you could get away with. You can get away with playing Griffin Merritt in left field. Let Dickey DH. You know, Griffin Merritt in left field shows up a little bit more in Hoover just because it's such a big outfield. But if you think about it, like if you if you get to host a regional, you know there's there's not a lot of ground to cover playing left field in Lindsey Nelson Stadium. 
Yeah, no, no, you're right, you're right. And and I think Dryling had a bad play in Sunday because Dryling started there Sunday against Kentucky and had a, a fly ball probably should have been caught that went over his head. But no, you're you're right about and, and Hoover will be interesting because it's obviously a much bigger part. So yeah, I I'd, I'd, I'd lean Merritt and left and then kind of go from there. Chris, tonight they got to get, get Blake Burke going. I mean, yeah. he, he struggled really throughout league play. See, and there's there's another one of my law of averages calls. Blake Burke's gonna he's about to get in fuego. Like he, he he's had the perfect bad time to have three bad weeks because for the most part, or maybe it's been a month or so, whatever it's been, for the most part they've they've done well as a team. So you you you've actually improved your record while he struggled. And a hitter of that talent doesn't doesn't struggle forever. Like he's, and the thing about Blake Burke is when he gets it back, he could literally carry you. He's that talented. Yeah, uh, well, I can nerd out real quick. His batting average on balls in play in in the SEC games is two fifty. So, Blake Burke is that right? Yes, two two fifty. He's hit. I mean, he's hit right into the shift probably ten times. But yeah, so that's so he, naturally his. That's why his batting average is a little lower than it probably should be. But he has yeah. struggled. On top of that, speaking of that, Chris, do you think college baseball will do what the uh, MLB did and, and do away with a shift? Um, you know, I don't know. I haven't heard many people talk about it. Uh, I would love to see them do away, or not do away. I would love to see them adopt a three batter minimum rule. Um. Because, you know, the mixing, and our, and our head coach does it a lot, I feel like the mixing and matching in college baseball is even less necessary than it is in Major League Baseball. And the fact that Major League Baseball went to it, I, I would love to see college baseball go to it. Um, but I don't, I, don't, I don't hear any conversation around that going away. Chris, tonight you're calling Vanderbilt, Arkansas. And yep. Vandy... If they sweep, they could be SEC champs. Arkansas is in first place. You also have LSU and Florida in the mix. How do you see that series going? You and Tom Hart will have the call on the SEC Network. And how do you see the Tennessee-South Carolina series going, where game three on Saturday will be televised by the SEC Network? Uh, I think I, I think Vanderbilt is really struggling on offense, and I think Arkansas is a really – bad recipe for an offense that's struggling. Now, we know this year in the SEC, the home team has been crazy from a winning percentage standpoint, so it's hard to bet against the home team, but Arkansas is on a a really special role right now, have been ever since they got swept at Arkansas. Brady Tiger has come back from the disabled list and has pitched better and better each week. Hagan Smith you know, Hag- if, if it wasn't for Paul Skeens, Hagen Smith or Devin Futrell of Vanderbilt would probably be the next in line for pitcher of the year. Uh, Hagen Smith, something tells me he's got, he's going to go out there and carve tonight. Uh, and then Arkansas has this freshman named Gage Wood that has just been absolutely lights out over the last month or so. So I really like the way Arkansas's pitching is trending and is much as Vanderbilt struggling on offense, I would, I would give Arkansas the edge this weekend. Um, as far as Tennessee, South Carolina, boy, South Carolina is struggling. Uh, 
what are they, two and seven in their last nine SEC games. That's correct. I think they've lost nine of ten or something overall. I've never seen a team more banged up than South Carolina. Um, you know, all that being said, they, they have gotten a little healthier. Um, you know, it, it feels, you know, I keep, I keep going back to these law of averages. Like it feels like a team that's played that poorly is probably due for a, a better weekend. Um, and with Tennessee struggles on the road, I, like I said earlier, I'd, I'd have a hard time saying they're the favorite to win, but I, something something tells me Tennessee figures out a way to win two this weekend. Any last thoughts, guys? I'd like to hear a little bit more about Dylan Cruz and whether he should be the <laughs> SEC player of the year. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You know, th- just th- rip, th- the, rip the guy. His, <laughs> ask, his asking price dropped like two yeah. mil during this interview. Don't expect well, the Christmas card it, it, for Here's him. the thing. You know, I, a lot of this has been birthed out of, you know, I've been doing the draft now for the last three years. So I'm going to have to do a lot of breakdowns of all these SEC guys that are going to be picked high. And I'm going to I'm going to go even another level of nerdiness on you guys. This batted <laughs> ball profile that we get from 643.com, it, it is where I got started on this whole Dylan Cruz ground ball thing. And if you look at the best hitters in the big league, their their ground ball rate is usually in the low 30s. Uh, Arenado last year had a 29.5% ground ball rate. Well, Dylan Cruz's has been over 50% all year, and I'm like, man, that is that is really odd. And, and it's been a big reason why Juan Soto – has struggled over the last couple years in the big league because just hitting way too many ground balls. Same with Christian Yelich. Like, you can only do so much damage when you hit the ball on the ground. And conversely, Wyatt Lankford has like a 28% ground ball rate. And Wyatt Lankford has like a 20% line drive rate. And Dylan Cruz is like 13%. So I'm looking at all these bad at ball profiles trying to project uh, what how that moves into the next level. This is Big Lou Maddox, and you're listening to the best radio in southern Middle Tennessee, WKOM 101.7 FM, Columbia. Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram thanks St. Jude Children's Hospital for their admirable work. We are committing to their cause of providing quality care to families in need at no cost to them by donating $150 for every new vehicle sold. Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram is proud to partner with St. Jude for the fourth consecutive year. If you are currently in the market for a new vehicle, visit the team in-store or shop online at Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Columbia.net to help families protect what matters most. You can count on us. Hello, this is Rick Tillis from Tillis Jewelry. What is a full-service jeweler? Experienced staff, custom designers, in-house jewelry repairs, and beautiful jewelry. Yes, at Tillis Jewelry, we are passionate, knowledgeable, and committed to integrity. We strive to be the best in our community and in our profession. We build long-term relationships and become part of family traditions that will cross generations. We delight clients by providing an unparalleled selection, superior service, and exceptional value. Tillis Jewelry, we exceed your expectations. 
Do you suffer from knee pain? Is it painful to walk or perform your day-to-day activities? If so, we have great news at the Dr. Gill Center. We can relieve your knee pain fast and easy with no downtime and no surgery. The FDA has approved a new non-surgical treatment for knee pain, and it's covered by most major insurance, including Medicare. This treatment has helped millions of people across the nation. Call today to see if you qualify for a free consultation and get back to a pain-free life. 615-551-9224. Brown's Body Shop has two locations to provide your vehicles with high-quality body and frame repairs, the best paint jobs, and custom body fabrications. Brown's Body Shop has been successful for more than 50 years because of their highly trained personnel, competitive prices, superior customer care, and timely service. Don't put off body repairs or that custom paint job to fenders. Go to Brown's Body Shop today. 1505 Nashville Highway in Columbia, 129 Alpha Drive in Franklin. Looking for convenience? Try Quickmark Convenience Stores, conveniently located all across Murray County, Southern Middle Tennessee, and North Alabama. Whether stopping in on your way to work for coffee and a biscuit, taking a plate lunch to go, or grabbing something cold to drink after a long hot day at work, there's always one nearby. Quickmark Convenience Stores, conveniently located all across Southern Middle Tennessee and North Alabama. Proudly serving Shell Gasoline. Hey, this is Derek Ransom with Ten Pin Alley, voted number one family entertainment center in Murray County. We offer 32 bowling lanes, giant arcade, laser tag, bumper cars, and a full cafe and bar menu. We also specialize in group events, kids and adult birthday parties, company parties, sports team parties, and holiday parties. We're located at 322 East James Campbell Boulevard in Columbia. Call us today at 931-381-BOWL or visit us at tenpin.com. Ten Pin Alley, it's where the good times roll. This is Mark Curry at the Trailer Store. We are a local, family-owned business. Every day, I work with my wife, Susie, my mother, Becky, and my son, Justin. We offer a full line of lawnmower trailers, utility trailers, stock trailers, and a full line of trailer parts. We also offer service. Come see us at 1021 New Lewisburg Highway. Call us at 931-381-2795. That's 931-381-2795. Hey, this is Trip Stoltz, owner and manager of Columbia Ace Hardware. Spring is here and we are ready. We carry a full line of steel, echo, and chindawa yard equipment. We also have a great selection of grass seed, fertilizer, and garden supplies. With the most knowledgeable sales staff in Southern Middle Tennessee, come check us out at 112 East James Campbell Boulevard, Columbia, Tennessee. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. Coach, baseball is back, and WKRM 103.7 is excited to bring you coverage and sponsorship options for this 2023 season. That's right, Taff, and this year our advertising partners had the option to sponsor our live Little League coverage, Atlanta Braves coverage, or a combo package that carry both of them. This area loves baseball, and what a great way to support the community by helping us bring coverage of our Little League, but also taking a moment to promote local businesses. People are crazy about the Atlanta Braves. Whoa, 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 whoa. There's something special and timeless about baseball radio broadcast. There sure is. So visit Front Porch Radio TN and click on the blue Advertise With Us button for more information about how your company can sponsor baseball of all kinds this season with WKRM.
Each week on History's Hook, we'll be bringing you interesting and informative stories from the past in an effort to connect the history in our own backyard to the big events that compose national and world history. I'm your host, Tom Price. This is not your high school history class. We're going to make history fun and compelling. We're going to get you hooked. History's Hook with your host, Tom Price, Saturdays at 9 a.m. and 6 p.m. right here on WKOM 101.7 FM Front Porch Radio. Join us for a journey through time. The NASCAR Cup Series. Willie B. William Byron on the inside to his outside. That's Kyle Larson. Makes its long-awaited return. He's going to try to stay on the bottom, and they may have made contact. To North Wilkesboro Speedway. Whoa, Hamlin gets into Larson. Larson's in the fence. Hamlin will make the move. Larson will regroup. Denny Hamlin takes the lead. It's the NASCAR All-Star Race. 4 p.m. Sunday, May 21st on WKOM 101.7 FM. I am Jack Blackstone. I'm Emery Blackstone. Together, we are Greenway Tech Repair. Tired of slow computers, cracked phone screens, and fancy home electronics you don't know how to use? We can help. We provide local on-site services as well as remote troubleshooting for any job, no matter how large or small, from computers and laptops to mobile devices and home electronics. We Blackstone Brothers are eager to serve our community. Find us on Facebook at Greenway Tech Repair or by phone at 931-388-2691. That's on Facebook at Greenway Tech Repair or by phone at 931-388-2691. This is Jim Ross, and you are listening to Front Porch Radio, WKOM 101.7, located in Columbia, Tennessee.